everyone, and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo, and I'm joined this evening, as always, by bank-robbing clown Paul Giroux. I'm a crying-on-the-inside kind of clown. Ah, man, you ruined it, because I was going to say the crying-on-the-inside kind, Sean Doyle. <laughs> Right, yeah, uh, I guess if I'm the crying on the inside, it's, it's bad luck just to see a thing like that. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is off to a great start. This month's letter was Q, and we went with Paul's pick, Quick Change. How do we feel about the high-stakes world of clown-themed bank robbery? Let's find out right now. about it in general i mean bank robbery is the the way that the proletariat rebels against the bourgeoisie so Wait, yeah i'm good. pretty okay with uh i mean i guess uh, i don't know how i feel about bank robbery on a general level like when i really think about it i really enjoyed the uh uh the the, the current star wars andor series and there was a sort of a bank robbery going on in that mm -hmm. well, they robbed the payroll department of the whole yeah they robbed the payroll yeah sounds like the it beginning of like a bank firefly i don't remember if it was the beginning of the movie or the first episode they right. robbed the payroll of the thing was it that train heist space. are you talking about the train heist episode you're talking to me yeah I'm talking to you <laughs> <laughs> it was firefly or uh serenity or whatever uh, it was either I think the it was first Serenity. episode of the series or the beginning the of the movie. Of the... They do the bank robbery and they the get locked in the, the vault, or they they make the the villagers get locked yeah. in the vault because the reavers are coming. Yeah, that was the movie. That the was movie. Serenity. All right. Oh, okay. God, it's been way too long since I've watched that. Which that felt a little Star Warsy, and now Star Wars is just doing the thing that felt like. Look, I don't want to call it a knockoff because it was its own thing. Yeah, I don't know that uh, I don't know that you can call you know robbing shit one specific. Genre. I don't think that belongs to any one specific kind of science fiction. And this was a this was a pretty different uh this was a pretty different uh operation than what they pulled on Firefly. Yeah, well, well, but, uh, well, like Firefly was a space western. Like that couldn't be more clear. And sorry, the reason I asked about the. The reason I asked about the train heist thing was like actually because there was one episode that was a like like it was like a space train. It was like a hovering train, and they pulled some like like train robbery oh, yeah. on it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, so the thing was that was like episode three or something like that, right? And there was a two part. You know, when Firefly aired, there was a two part uh, uh, premiere that like explained the whole thing. And Fox was just like, ah, like we don't like this. We want to start with something more interesting, like this train heist. And they were like, yes. Yeah, so the train heist was the first air yeah, episode. So, um, so it kind of they they I think they lost a lot of momentum with the show because people didn't know what the hell they were watching, you know. And that was why, um, what you know, I mean, it was such a good show, but it got most of its following on DVD when you know you could watch it start to finish and go, oh, now I understand, right. What 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 brilliant jackass gets paid a bunch of money at these networks to air these shows out of order? Like they did the same thing with Clerks. Not that that had a running thing, but like it was just random. They were like, let's jump into this one and like those characters that we haven't introduced. Not that they mattered because they were canceling the show anyway. But they did it with Firefly. Then what was I watching the other day? Uh, and what's extra weird 
It was something stupid. It was some old sitcom. What the hell were we watching? Whatever it was, it might have been Mad About You or something. The uh, We put on sitcoms when we go to sleep. Jacqueline had never seen that one. We were like, ah, oh, this will take us a month to get through. There's like four or five seasons or whatever. I think it was that one. And they just decided they were going to air two of the episodes out of order. And so they that's how they are on the thing now, because they got numbered. Episode, you know, it aired up, you know, season four, episode one, season four, episode two, season four, episode three. But they flipped two of them out of order. And the two they flipped out of order mattered. Like, you, you showed the first half of a two-parter, then a random other episode that had nothing to do with nothing, and then the second half of the two-parter. Like, what? Why? Why would you do that? It didn't make any sense. Have you ever watched Star Wars The Clone Wars? The cartoon series? Yeah. Uh, not really. I've seen an episode or two, but I haven't watched it. Watched it. I, I, I <laughs> that I, I tried to. I couldn't understand who it was made for. Like, like, is it made for kids or is it made for nerds? It just seemed like a lot of like squarely drawn people and like space politics. I didn't understand. Yeah, it, it didn't really figure out who it was for until like I'd say probably properly around season three. But that's a show that aired hilariously out of order. Like, if you were trying to follow that shit, good luck. <laughs> the uh, the f- chronological first episode is like the first episode of season three, which then the next chronological episode was season three, episode five, and like they do the they did this all throughout the series. Like season two. If you wanted to watch it in the order that it happens, it was like episode 1, 2, 3, 17, 18, 19, 6, 7, 8, 11, 12, 13, 14, 20, 21, 22. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it was yeah, and somebody made bizarre. that decision. Like, somebody... Yeah. Yeah, super weird. That, that's, you know, somebody made the decision. Sure, there's stupid people in the world. Somebody got paid to make that stupid decision. That's somebody's job. And they're making yeah. those bad calls. Like, I pay me. I, I'll not. I will. <laughs> you know, no. That's why that guy's got to get paid because I wouldn't do it. I'd be like, no, just put him, just leave him in order, man. The guy just, wrote yeah, them in order. Story. Yeah, just, 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 just tell, tell the story. story. <laughs> it, it's have, not even like they're trying to job. quit Tarantino. It. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, people want to watch this one more. Like, well, then they'll want to watch that one just fine three weeks from now. Just tell when it shit. makes sense and they understand who the damn characters are. What are you talking about? Absolute madness. Well, so anyway, hi everyone. I, I was just gonna say, I was gonna say that while Andor, oh wait, sorry, while Firefly was like a space western, I feel like that heist in Andor was more like a, like a space versions of like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, kinda. It was definitely more. Uh, it's definitely pretty intense. I loved that episode. Like, that was one of the best Star Wars things I think I've ever seen. It was it was more a, was a heist than anything else. Like a yeah yeah. Um, oh God, I'm loving that show. I am loving that show to death. I'm not loving it. I'm really yeah. I I don't I don't know what it is. It's slow. Like all the stories individually are interesting. Like I'm interested in all the parts of them, but I feel like when you put them all together. Like it, it just really, it moves very slowly, and like I feel like it's because it's all the stuff about Star Wars that is space politics, and none of the stuff that's like, you know, like 
like space smugglers, you know, like smart mouth space smugglers or, you know, wizards with laser swords. You know what I mean? Like it's all. Oh, yeah. It's very it's like not Star Warsy, but also Star Wars at the same time. Yeah, it's really I think different. I'm I'm loving the crap out. I of think it. a thing that's like all space politics is not Star Wars. It's like Battlestar Galactica or something. You know, like still feels nice and Star Warsy to me, but just like a different flavor of Star Wars, and I like that. I I want I want different flavors of Star Wars. I love them going to different planets that I haven't seen before, like the what was it Space Florida they went to in the uh, the new episode where he wound up getting a. Uh, roped into six years in jail or whatever. Oh, yeah, that I, that was actually the first one that I started. Well, I guess the heist one was cool, but that one, yeah, I, I guess I started showing more interest a little bit. Like, at one point, I was like, where's all the weird aliens? Like, why haven't we seen any weird aliens in this show? And then he went to that, like, resort planet, and there was weird aliens. And I was like, all right, well, thank you for listening to me, show. Um, <laughs> thanks for delivering weird aliens yeah but i don't know it's just i i I mean i'm gonna stick with it but um i just don't know uh it it makes me That's wish how i'm feeling about house of the dragon honestly oh i don't i'm not i had i haven't watched game of thrones so i don't know any of that stuff <laughs> um i tried to watch the first episode and it seemed like it was all just a bunch of people pointing at each other and saying their long complicated names so do you, do you mean the first episode of the new thing or the first episode, first episode? I Like, the first episode of of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Like, I, I watched one episode and then I, I never kept watching it. Yeah, me too. I watched it when it first aired because everyone was like, this is going to be great. And I watched the first episode and then I never watched any other bit of it. You and me should watch it together in one sitting, the whole thing, and we'll just uh, we'll get some cocaine, keep ourselves up, and we'll live stream the whole thing. Just hot reactions on uh, on very old, outdated things that everyone else has already seen. Put that on your Patreon, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay money to see that, without a doubt. Paul and Sean do hard drugs and stay up for three weeks straight to watch uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Is it really that long? No, it couldn't. What would it be? Is it more than 48 hours? I can look. We did all the Jason movies in, in, in two days straight. That took about 40 hours. Is it really more than 48 hours of Game of Thrones? How I don't know. There's like six or seven seasons, I think. Yeah, but it's like HBO. You probably got like eight episodes a season. True. So that's like, and they're probably an hour each. So yeah, it's like probably two days of watching. Gotta, gotta want it. All right. I'm up for it. <laughs> Not have kids. <laughs> I got some vacation time. Let's do this thing. Let's see. I don't know when this was posted. Oh, this was uh, August 18th. As of August 18th, 2022, it looks like it's two days, 15 hours, and 30 minutes. Oh, a little longer than I thought, but all right. So you have to really want it. Hey, we are going to need the Coke. <laughs> I first said it was a joke. I was more thinking just coffee and soda, but you get past that 48th hour, you start feeling it. <laughs> I've been having a we, we Karen and I have been struggling with uh, uh, House of the Dragon because it's a uh, like the thing with Game of Thrones like it eventually hooked us because there were people to root for. Uh, everyone's horrible in House of the Dragon, all of them. Like any even the ones that the show I think the show wants me to root for like everyone no one's likable at all, <laughs> and uh, I don't know it's a. Eh. But I'm I'm freaking loving Andor, and uh, we finally finished season one of Harley Quinn, which is amazing. Uh, And after we finish House of the Dragon, which I think the season finale is next week, 
we're gonna try out that Lord of the Rings show and see see if that grabs us any different. That that Harlequin show is funny. Do you do you watch that, Sean? Oh yeah. Well, I think there's a new season out that we ha- might not have watched yet. Me and her have watched. Did we watch two seasons or three seasons? Oh yeah, there is a third season. And I think we watched two, and I think the third one is out or partially out. I don't think we've watched all the new season, but that no, that show's great. I rewatched the first season. I enjoyed it so much. I yeah. was like, I'm just gonna watch this again. There was something. Yeah, we that just was... finished season one, there was... and we're gonna switch back over to Lower Decks after that, which was also ridiculously good. There was something so funny in this in this new season of Harlequin that I was gonna talk about it, but it sounds like nobody's there. Um, I think it was in the third season. To you haven't seen Sean where they go into Bruce Wayne's mind, have you? No, I don't, I don't think so. Oh my god, it was so funny. Well, when you all get there, we'll have to talk about it. I, right. I will gladly have that conversation when Indeed. we get there. I, you know, that show started off so strong, and not that it, not that it got weak, but like I think it was the first episode was the whole thing with the. The, the the mentalist guy calling calling Wonder Woman the c word and just getting like blacklisted even among bad guys they're just like dude what are you doing it was just like I don't that whole episode I think it was the first episode it might have been the second episode it was it was early because it was when she was just trying to form her gang or whatever uh-huh. but that whole episode freaking killed me uh, it was yeah it was the just... first episode was absolutely hysterical and it's been solid ever since but yeah. i feel like the first couple episodes have yet to be properly topped in the laughs department and you know what i don't know if you watch do you guys watch solar opposites no, no. it was it's basically uh i think it, i don't know if it's there's two guys that do rick and morty i don't know if it's both of them or just one of them did this other cartoon series for hulu and it kind of feels like all the all the crap they left on the cutting room floor from rick and morty they were like let's shove this into another cartoon it's like Rick and Morty's better, but it's got a, a similar feel. Uh, some of the character voices are the same, like so they got some of the same voice actors. It's, it really just feels like you know what we decided not to use, but we were shooting around the room. Um, and why was I saying this? Oh, because one or two of the storylines—it's a ridiculous cartoon, like Harley Quinn, right? But I was going to say about the Harley Quinn is like every now and then I'm like, this show made me care about Kite Man. How did that happen? Right? <laughs> you were like, you felt for him at times. You were like, yeah. Uh, I I think it's even more in season two. You're like, dude, I feel for Kite Man. You know, there's this, this little throb in my heart. You know, you feel it. And then that's there. And you're like, this is a ridiculous cartoon. Solar Opposites did such an amazing job of that. It's a funny cartoon. It's worth the watch. You'll You'll laugh a bunch. And most of the time, that's all it is. There's this one episode where they just they get off on a, a tangent that doesn't even have the main characters, um, and they just go on this long tangent. The whole episode is just this tangent about these these other people, and like it's funny at first, and then at one point like there's this animal that you care about, and the animal dies in this this epic tragic way, and like Jacqueline was crying. <laughs> like how did this stupid ridiculous cartoon? do that how did it sneak up and and get actual emotion in there when you know you're watching something so ridiculous now uh, crying might have been a little over the top but it wasn't she wasn't crazy it was it was a heartfelt scene it was like no i get it harley quinn's definitely done i mean like when uh i don't know all the stuff was going down between harley and ivy towards the end of season one i was like oh you felt it yeah i feel bad about this that's that's sad and and that and that's wonderful um so, so uh, I guess we should probably talk about movie stuff. Uh, if you insist. 
Yes, <laughs> I mean, I love talking. I'll talk TV all day long, but I have to do it again next week when we record our TV podcast. Oh, my God. I have a um, movie thing I want to talk about. I got a movie oh, so thing I want to talk You go about. first. Okay, 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 listen. It's good that we have a movie podcast. Can we... Yeah, we have a movie podcast. We should probably talk about movie things. Listen, can we have a segment in this where I talk directly to Hollywood and I try to convince them that my idea is good? Like, is that a thing that we can do week to week? Absolutely. What are we calling it? Who's Hollywood? Am I Hollywood? And if I'm Hollywood, should I be trying to do the voice of the sidekick character from the 1980s movie Mannequin? Because that could get a little racist. What's the, <laughs> Just saying. What's the, wait, is there a sidekick character named Hollywood? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Where did you think I was going with this? I don't know. I I mean, I figured you could just kind of like like talk fast like a like a 1920s newsman and it would still, you know, like I, I could try to do that too. That would be less racist cuz he was like a flamboyant black man and I just think that like his character was bordering on the offensive. And if I try to do it, I don't know. This is coming back to me. Know. Right, right. That guy in mannequin. Okay. Um no, I, uh, you know, every now and then I have an idea that I'm like, I'm like, I, you know, I need to let somebody in the business know this. So I, I can only assume that multiple people in the industry are listening to our, our heavily, highly revered podcast. So again, it's, um, it's primarily just city planners as we've already established, <laughs> you can give it a go. This Maybe will, somebody who's a city planner in Hollywood and has a connection. Right. This will be me. Absolutely need to give it a go. We need to, we need to come up with a name and Ball's like a little corner. like. And now it's and now it's time for Paul talks Hollywood. We'll have a little theme song. The Hollywood breakdown. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Hollywood address. The nice Hollywood address. All right. I, I was gonna say you know actual name TBD, but I if we if we gotta land on that now, let's do it. The Hollywood no, address. No, no, no. Actual name time. TBD is fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And now it's time for actual name TBD. <laughs> Um, all right. <laughs> so, uh, so there's there's two things that sort of are leading me to this to this thing that I feel like needs to happen, right? So one thing is, and let me look up the guy's name because I don't want to butcher it and make a mess. Key, key. No, why don't I just look up Goonies? Like, because that's yeah. going to help you get to where you were trying to get to, or, or just because, F it, I like looking up Goonies. <laughs> that's why. Kihei Kwan? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Thanks. So. Kihei Kwan. So, like, this guy's having a renaissance, right? Like, like in, you know, when he was popular in the 80s, when he was short round in, in uh, you know, Temple of Doom, and when he was Data in the Goonies, right? Like... I guess it was just the mid-80s, and it was just like, you know, we need a young Asian boy. Like, go to he's the guy. Like, if, you, if, you, if you're going to make a movie and you need a young Asian boy, he's your go-to guy, right? Um, but then it seemed like for years, you know, like, I guess he was sort of, I guess he was sort of typecast into certain things or, you know, whatever. I guess he had a hard time getting roles, but, like... Now he's back and better than ever, man. Like, I don't know if you saw, um, uh, everything, everything, everywhere, all at once. everything, everywhere, all at once. Did you see it? Not yet. It's on our, it's on our list. So good. He's really good in it. Right. And then 
I think it was like maybe two months ago or so, there was the um, there was the announcements from D23, and they had all the panels uh, of all the upcoming Marvel shows come out, and you know they did talks on stage and stuff, and like uh, he's cast in Loki season two. Um, yes, he is. Yeah, which you know, I mean, like of of these Disney shows, like Loki is one of the better ones, and. Uh, and, uh, I think they're all great, but I, I think Loki was clearly the best, right? Like it was so good. Loki seems to have yeah, a I'd buzz that. that some of the other ones don't have. You know, like I, I agree. I think they're all good, but like as far as like pop culture and mass appeal, it seems like everybody's like all in on that Loki show. Um, which it, it was great. It was clearly great. Um, but like I'm excited to see him in the second season. Um, he was really great in everything, everywhere, all at once. Right. So that's one thing, right? Kihei Kwan is having a renaissance and like, you know, like if you, if you're looking to make a movie, like get him in the movie right now. Right. Like, cause like he's, he's it. Right. So that's one thing. Right. The other thing is I saw that again, I think it was like a month or two ago, but they just wrapped filming on Indiana Jones part five. Right. Did you guys see that? Did they wrap filming? Or I had start I had no idea. No, they. I think they wrapped filming and they're in post production now. So it's supposed oh, to come I missed, out. I missed that. I knew there was news on it, and I know that he. There was a picture of him with Harrison Ford. But uh. Of who with Harrison Ford? Uh, short round. Oh, I don't think he's in it. Is he? No, no. It was like at the D twenty three. The two of them hung out together, and there was a picture of them, you know, together. Like, hey, look, it's Harrison Ford and him, and they're near each other <laughs> right it wasn't for the movie it was just like these two people are near each other isn't that awesome right like harrison ford was there for some sort of star wars thing and he was there for the loki thing and somebody just happened to get a picture right exactly yeah, yeah. so um so yeah the indiana jones 5 i don't know much about it right i know that john rice davies is in it you know um yeah our favorite King Solomon's mind actor, John Rice davies <laughs> um, uh, You know, they brought him back into the fold as Sala. And I know some of the other actors that are in it. Um, but, like, I guess there's not much out about the plot right now, right? So, here's what I'm saying to Hollywood, right? Stop what you're doing. Stop editing the movie. Just, like, stop. Get some people on the phone. Like, I promise you, it doesn't matter what the story is. This will work. My idea will work, right? Here's who you got to get on the phone. You got to get Harrison Ford on the phone. You're going to have to get John Rice davies on the phone and uh, Kihei Kwan, right? So let's get all these guys on the phone, get everybody to come back and film a mid-credit scene and an end-credit scene, right? I, I'm assuming these movies don't have them, but, like, all, you know... <laughs> All franchise movies that come out at this point have a have a um, you know a mid credit scene or an end credit scene. I can't see why Indiana Jones should be any different than you know Marvel or Fast and the Furious or whatever, right? Let's let's like let's film these scenes, right? So I think the mid credit scene needs to be Harrison Ford and John Rice Davies, and you know John Rice Davies will have to be like Indy the thing that you were trying to get you know i don't know like i'm sure that there was like some artifact that he was after in this movie right like you know turns out that bad guy whoever the bad guy is of the movie that he was working for someone you know and then harrison ford can be like who is he working with you know and then like john rice davis could be like 
you know, we don't know, but you have to go to, and then like fill in like, like place, right? Like Jabib, I don't know, right? Like Alexandretta. Yeah, Alexandretta, whatever, right? Some like, some, some, some distant place, right? And we could even see the plane on the map, leave the place and like go to the other place or like a boat or whatever, right? So like, that's the mid credit scene, right? He's going to have to like, he's going to have to learn that whoever he was up against and trying to take back an artifact from in this movie was actually working for somebody else, right? And then the end credit scene is going to be just, it's going to be like almost like the mirror image of that like ship scene in um, Last Crusade, right? Where like he goes up against the guy that like young him, uh, stole the cross from in in the beginning of the movie right when cross he was when, oh, yeah. when he was river phoenix right and then like you know that yeah, it says you should be in a museum that guy on the boat right yeah yeah and that guy that like gave him his hat right like he took that hat from that guy remember yeah yeah so like it's gonna look like that right where like there's a ship and it's in shadows and like you know the hat like flies off his head and like this like character and and in shadows grabs the hat you know and then he can be like you know why'd you do it why'd you take it that belongs in a museum you know and then character steps out of the shadows we see who it is it's short round he goes one reason fortune and glory dr jones fortune and glory right and then short round is the villain in indiana jones six boom i love it uh, he's got to take his hat before he has his goons throw him over the ship. <laughs> right? You're gonna kill your uh, your your predecessor. You'd steal his hat first. <laughs> well, Indy'll get away somehow, but like. Well, if he gets thrown over the side of a ship, you assume he's dead. But you don't have to die from that. If he didn't die from the nuclear blast, nuclear blast. Right. I mean, he fell I mean... off the ship into a fridge, and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sailing in a sea of fridges. You know what? That's the fridge scene was still more believable than the monkeys. But I love your end credit scene. Hollywood, <laughs> get on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Doesn't matter what the Fire movie's about. Man. This idea will work, and it will set up a movie with short round as the villain. Success. <laughs> I like the I like the idea of making short round into a villain. I don't know who like because Harrison Ford was like, "This is it. I'm I'm done. This is the last Indiana Jones. I can't do this shit anymore." <laughs> well, once and uh, once he listens to this podcast and hears this idea, he's going <laughs> to change, gonna change his, mind. his mind. He's going to be pretty busy as a General Ross going forward. Oh, that's right. I did read that. I can't he- believe they're. Rep- I I I can't believe that they're replacing him. Uh, I thought they were gonna they're re- recasting William Hurt. I thought they were gonna just pick somebody else, but uh, like just come up with a different character that's basically the same character, just not Wait. actually replacing Thaddeus Ross. But uh, here we are. Talk, talk to me like I'm stupid. Who are we talking about? <laughs> uh, William Hurt, who played uh, um, General Ross in the MCU. Oh, yeah, he died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that actor died, and uh, they're replacing him with Harrison Ford, which seems like, on paper, like yeah, okay, him as as Ross, that's 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 a good play. I I, I like that, except the fact that he's fucking ancient. Wait, 
Like, I'm sorry. Did, I don't know that I did, do like it. Didn't we? Am I having deja vu? Didn't we have this same conversation like three or four months ago? Because I I remember being like, yeah, William Hurt, who is different than John Hurt, who is different yeah. than John Hurd. And then I was like, and it doesn't matter because all three of them are dead now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you were confused as to, you know, which one was in Home Alone, which one was the dad in Hellboy, and which one was General Ross, doesn't matter because now they're all dead. So <laughs> that does sound familiar to me. But anyway, Harrison Ford's going to take over the role of General Ross. Harrison which, Ford's mean, too likable. He's too likable. Don't you always like him? I always like Harrison Ford. Right. Yeah. I don't like General Ross. He's occasionally, you know, like you could make arguments in favor of him. On I, I, I get it, but in general, <laughs> I feel like general, Harrison Ford can pick. pull off the grumpy, unlikable guy. And I'm, I just have to assume they're going to eventually wind up with Red Hulk, and he's just going to sit back and voice him <laughs> instead of a, instead of actually having to act in person. So, that's the only thing I can think of. And that's how. That's how good the illusion on the MCU movies are. My next point was going to be, plus, if they go with the Red Hulk storyline, then Harrison Ford's got to deal with that. That's got to be as bad as Indiana Jones. But you're right. But why would I say that? Doesn't make any sense. He's not even on the screen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. It's not guys in costumes. And even if it was, it wouldn't be him in a costume. It'd be Lou Ferrigno. So I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> he could do that role over the phone. It'd be fine. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. They would have somebody else do the motion capture. Yeah, of course. Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah, Harris, I don't see Harrison Ford doing that. I don't see any world into which that's happening. Are they? Yeah. I, and again, I have no idea. So Hulk looks like Ruffalo. So like, does he act yeah. all those parts and they film his face, or like they just scan his face once and it's just animated? I believe he motion captures the the performance and then they just animate him. Okay. So like, he's they have like the Hulk model built and then they. He does the performance, and all the sensors all over him and his face translates to the CG model, and then that's they basically just animate him. Right, right, right. Okay. But I imagine that won't be the case with Harrison Ford. Right, right, right. Yeah, you could have any anybody come in there and do it. That's right. We have a mo movie podcast, people. We know things. Yeah, God. things. Right, well, so, Sean, you said you had a movie thing you wanted to talk about. Uh, it's uh, sure. You know, I think I had multiple movie things to talk about. Yeah. You know what? I did. Here's a couple. Uh, one, we just went and saw uh, the new Jane Silent Bob movie, and I really enjoyed it. But I'll Clerks say this. Clerks 3? Clerks 3, yeah. Yeah, well, that was my thing. I was going to talk huh. about that. Did you, you went and saw it? Oh, we saw it here at home. Okay. Uh, I loved it, but I will say this about it. Uh, you'd, you have to love those movies. Like, yeah. I feel like the last two or three have just been love letters to the uh, to the series itself and kind of fan service, which I am a fan. And again, thank you for the service. But it it's certainly there's no attempt anymore uh, to broaden to broaden your viewership, which is probably why it's getting harder and harder to watch these movies like this one. Like when it first came out a few weeks ago, the closest theater was in Pennsylvania and like. Mm. Uh, it was only at like three or four theaters that we could find anywhere near us. And I was like, ah, let's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a week or two. See, and now 
see if it you know pops up closer to us. And now those theaters don't have it anymore. They must like sent their copies, which is weird because I think it's digital, but whatever. They don't have them anymore, but now two or three different ones have, and finally the one near us got it. And I was like, all right, let's go see it. So like, of course your viewership's getting smaller. As you indicate in your movie, people age and die. Um, and the, you're not, I don't know, it's not expanding. Like Clerks to Mallrats, th- those are two very different movies. And then you go to uh, Chasing Amy and Dogma, and all four of those movies are very different while still incorporating some of these core characters, right? Uh, at least in my opinion, they're very different. I, I think the the type of humor between Clerks and Mallrats is very different. And then Dogma has its own thing, and so is Chasing Amy. But now it's just like, I feel like he's narrowing and narrowing, right? I mean, I'm still in that 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 vein, but by God, he's going to run out of viewers. <laughs> And I don't think he necessarily cares. Um, okay. <laughs> I will say that, uh, all right, so Jan Silent Bob reboot was 100% fan service of the entire universe, as it were. Sure. Clerks 3 felt more like you didn't need to see the rest of them. You just needed to see Clerks and Clerks 2 because it was very much a sequel to those two movies in specific. Sure. Like, sure. It wasn't really like you didn't need to see Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or Dogma or anything like that. You just needed to see Clerks One and Two. So to that respect, that I think is fine, right? This is Clerks Three, so naturally it's a sequel to Clerks One and Two. It doesn't have to be <clears throat> something that's going to broaden the horizons. You're 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 closing this thing out. Um, I did find it amusing that they found more than one more than one moment to actually reference the cartoon in there, which was great. Because I friggin' love the Clerks cartoon, which has now come up on this show twice, which is wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I I I loved it. I did think, um, uh, was it Brian O'Halloran? Is that that is that Dante? Yeah, yeah. there's. Uh, there was the first scene where he's at the at the great. Like I thought that the the story was so sad. <laughs> like I did not really see it being that sad coming. Like. Dante's whole entire situation there, but um, when he was at the uh the grave site, and uh, he was you know doing the whole crying bit and everything, it was really remarkable how much better of an actor um, uh, God, why can't I think of her name? Oh, uh, Dawson or Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson, yeah, like she did that whole scene effortless and like. This was the most acting I've ever seen Brian O'Halloran do, right? Like, this is the most actual emotional investment we've ever seen out of Dante outside of anger. Um, but, like, it was really obvious how much better of an actor she is than him. Um, not that he was bad by any stretch, but it was like it seemed slightly less natural and everything so friggin' effortless for Rosario Dawson. Well, but um, these were all people that were... Kevin Smith's friends that he cast in this, you know, movie that he like financed on credit cards while he was learning how to make an independent film, you know. Um, uh, absolutely. And they they and they mentioned I mean, did you see this, Paul? No, I haven't seen the the new one. Oh, well, I I won't, you know, spoil it. Yeah, you're else, like talking like, about that's... big plot points and I'm like <laughs> la 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 la. No, he he really hasn't talked about any any uh big plot points. I know uh, I know yeah. there's a grave. 
there is there is definitely you find that out in the first five seconds yeah. right first seven seconds so i mean yeah something like that oh yeah. god that was just, just heartbreaking right at the beginning right but uh yeah it's a uh, there's he he's got it he he has to do a lot more acting in this and uh i was very impressed with with where it went it did seem like yeah it was it was very much reliant on having seen clerks one and two like there's, and there's having, nothing for anyone who hasn't seen Clerks and, 1 and 2. And having a special place in your heart for them, which I absolutely do. So again, yeah. I loved this movie. Um, Same here, yeah. Is it, if you were lukewarm on the first two, don't bother. If, I, I mean, it's fair for a third one if you didn't like the first two or you didn't see them. Is it on any of the streaming stuff, or is it just in movie theaters? I saw it in the I theater, think but it's I think it's on, on Voodoo? Is that what it's on? It is, I'm pretty sure it's on a streaming service. I caught I think it, it through is our various service. means but i'm pretty sure there is a, a streaming way of and a legit streaming way of grabbing it right now as well mm. it is it, it is it's 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 pretty good and it's um i really liked the story i it's been a while since i've seen clerks too so there were some details of it that i was like oh right okay but the uh the references to the clerks animated series were very you know i only i only caught one of the references uh which did put a smile on my face. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> oh my God, bears driving. How can that be? Which God, <laughs> that's, I quote that all the time and, and it doesn't ever fit in. Like I just forced that into situations because God, what a great line. Um, the, what was I going to say about the, uh, so, oh, it's such a, such a dramatic difference in, um, tone or feel from the second one because the second one is one of the most uplifting films ever, right? I mean, like, I just walk away from that movie happy. Yeah, same here. Right? I mean, like, that movie is so upbeat and just, you know, uh, I don't know about make carefree. It's just so light and easy. Um, the first one isn't. Uh, but even the first one's not this dark. The first one's not necessarily a downer. I mean, I guess it's a little life-affirming towards the end, but uh, it's certainly middle of the road. And then the second one's such an up note, and then this one's it's a down note. Maybe I need to revisit these before I see this new one, because I don't know that I could tell you anything about the second one. I mean, I remember the first one very clearly, and I, I again, I think it was because it was like, one of these life-changing things, right? Like, I think we were in, like, fourth or fifth grade when that movie came out, when, when Clerks came out. And uh, I remember sleeping over Matt Voss's house, and, like, you know, you you were allowed to, to go to the video store, you know, everybody's going to go to the video store on the Friday night, and we're going to walk around and see what we can find, you know, and you, you get a new movie, and then you get an old movie for 99 cents or whatever. Um, and I think, like... You know, we said to his mom, like, like, can we see this? Like, you know, can we, you know, and she, she like, she read the box and everything. I was like, yeah, I guess so, you know. And then it was, you know, it was one of those things where, like, parents went to bed and then, you know, we get to, like, hang out in the living room and watch movies till late. And, like, we were like, holy crap, you know, because, <laughs> like, first of all, <laughs> we, we had never seen a movie where, like, every other word was fuck, you know. So, like, <laughs> that, you know, that, uh, that, that blew our little uh, fifth grade minds right there. Um, it was 1994, ah. so we must have been in, we graduated in 99. So it was like, 
probably more like eighth grade, right? Are you making well, me do? Five, are you making seven, me do math here? Like I... Seventh, seventh grade. Okay. Seventh, sixth. It could have been sixth. If it was the end. If it was the summer after sixth, right? Six into seven. But if we were seeing it on video, I don't know. I, don't know me, I feel like me and Matt were hanging out pretty hard in like fourth and fifth grade. Maybe sixth grade. But I'll say fourth, fifth, and sixth. Um, I mean, I guess it could have been seventh. I don't know. But yeah, somewhere in that stretch. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was like earlier than middle school, but, um, but yeah, um, yeah, like all the, you know, certainly the fact that there was so much cursing in the movie, um, and then like, like all the kind of like pop culture stuff that was so effortlessly woven into it, you know, where they're talking about, um, the, the contractors on the Death Star, you know, like, like just, just the fact that these things that were kind of in the back of our consciousness became like conversation pieces in a, in a movie where like, you know, like, like it had to really be about the dialogue because it was, you know, it was an independent film that was supposed to look like a security cam. Um, but like we were, I remember we were just blown away by it. And then the next day we were like, we're going to watch it again. Like, let's watch it again. We don't have to bring it back until, you know, like, until this evening or until Sunday or whatever. Let's watch it again. And then like his mom called us and she's like, what are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought Clerks uh, 3 was great. Um, I would like to watch Clerks 2 again just to kind of get a, get, I mean, I really enjoyed that movie. I love that movie. Karen and I did the dance from that movie at our freaking wedding reception for crying out loud. But, which uh, was brilliant. Thank you. That was, that was a hoot. That's <laughs> a, uh, it, I've, yeah, I, I had a similar experience with Clerks 1. I think I watched it with Adam Zells for the first time. I think that was who I was with when I first saw that one. And it was like, wow. <laughs> I'd never seen anything quite like it. And uh, yeah, Clerks 3 was a pretty interesting way of ending this whole Clerks saga. And uh, Sean, you stuck around through the credits, right? Yep, yep. I don't think it's a spoiler to talk about that in general. Yeah, just the, um, I mean, I don't want to say what it is, because I don't think Paul knows really what this movie's about, but uh, it's not a post credit scene, just towards the end of the credits. Uh, Kevin Smith talks about what his original plan for the last shot of the movie was, but he didn't want to include it in the movie because he thought that what actually ended the movie was more poignant, but he wanted to still give a story about what happened to the characters afterwards. Um, and I thought that was really sweet. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and that guy is a hell of a storyteller. So, um, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's a cool approach. That's a cool way to do it. Yeah, this is, this is, this is, it was a good, it was a good pick. I was really glad that I, I, I watched it. I'm really glad it exists. Um, I think it's about time to, I mean, I think it's about time to wrap it up. Honestly, like I, I'm, I'm, it seems to be that's where this is. Like, I don't imagine they're going to do a Mallrats 2 or anything like that. Uh, after Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I kind of think this is a, this is like the ultimate cap on the whole uh, Viewisk universe thing that they set up there. Well, he's uh, he's been saying for years that he's going to stop directing movies, you know, like, like at a certain point. And I think it was when he sort of ventured into some of the, like that, um, horror sort of franchise that he had which you know some of that right. stuff went really well for him but you know i think some of it got torn apart and i think he was like he's like yeah i don't like i don't need to do this like i've i've shown that i can do this and like 
you know, he, he kind of has said like he can get really zen about directing movies and just like that it's it's um it's habitual for him now. You know, this this story piece goes there, this goes there, that he's almost like, you know, Iron Man swiping that, you know, stuff away. Like, here's what we need, here's what we don't need, you know. And he's like, I know how to do this. He's like, maybe I'll just you know, maybe maybe like this podcast thing is my uh, you know, career now or whatever. But then he keeps, you know, it's like he keeps making one more, you know, like, well, just one more movie. So, um, well, I think that just, yeah, at least from this one, I'm pretty sure that came from, um, a, a very specific inspiration. It was like, I have this idea. I want to film this. And like, you know, when you see this movie, it's pretty obvious what inspired yeah. him to do this movie. <laughs> Uh, like from what was, was happening in his life when he decided to actually make this movie happen, um, then and I, I'm I'm cool with that. Like if he 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 only wants to tell stories when he's inspired to tell them. Like so, nothing about this is a, and I guess that's kind of the cool thing about it is nothing about this or um the Jay and Silent Bob reboot were were cash grabs because he's not making it. He's just making it for the fans. He's literally just making it because he has a goofy story to tell to the people who like already like this stuff. Mm -hmm. So none of it feels cash grabby. It all feels like I'm doing this because I have a reason to do it. And I I can't see there being any cash involved. There's only only (laughs) three theaters in like a 50 mile radius playing the thing. And when me and Jack and went the other night, there was literally, we, we, we bought our tickets at the, you you go up to the kiosk and you pick your seats or whatever. We walked in. When we bought our tickets, there was two other tickets sold. We walked in, there was three people in there. So one of those people snuck in. And that was it the whole time. It was just the five of us. So there's no, I don't think he's making any money on them now. No, I don't think so either. Did you guys watch, and this was, this was like at the beginning of the pandemic. Like this was, this was back in the, you know, like, like don't leave your house, hide under a blanket, you know, like (laughs) stay there until it's over days. But, um. There was, I think it was on TBS, and again, this was when, like, no one was allowed to meet, and there wasn't a lot of programming being made, but it was, I think it was called, um, I don't know, like, Show of Shows or Contest of Contests, the the thing where the celebrity, the celebrity show-off, maybe that's what it was called, where the celebrities, like, sort of, like, made, made the content and entered it into the contest, and they would see who would win every week? No. Nope. So it, it was like, like Maya Bialik hosted it, and like I, I literally think it was just her in an empty studio, and maybe a, you know, like in front of a green screen, and maybe like a, a you know, camera op behind some wall in a booth or something where he could like operate the camera from a distance or something. Um, and then like everybody else participated via, you know, via via Zoom or via you know teleconference or whatever, and. Kevin Smith was a contestant and like Ja Rule and uh Jason Mraz and um I'm trying to remember who else. What were they uh, making? What? What were they making? Like like you could make whatever you wanted, right? Like like um like, like to- food? Tori Spelling kept making um like uh I don't know, these sort of like throwback stories about like being on 90210 and like Jason Mraz would make like music videos and stuff. Ja Rule made a weird commercial for a, for a Greek restaurant. Um, but, uh, (laughs) but Kevin Smith decided he was going to make a sitcom week to week. He's like, he's like, I never made a sitcom before. And he's like, 
sure as shit, nobody's going to hire me to make a sitcom. So he's like, I figure this is what I'm going to do. And like, he literally made a sitcom with like him and his family. And it was about his, uh, his daughter's boyfriend moving in. Like the, the, the daughter's boyfriend moves in with them and then the pandemic happens and they're stuck with them. And it was one of those, like, you know, like we can't get along the, the, you know, the dad and the like son-in-law to be or whatever. Um, and it was so funny. Uh, and it, it made me, it made me feel good to see like Kevin Smith brought into my home when we were stuck in that situation. Like if you can find it, you should watch it. It was funny. Huh. I look for that. He did make a sick, he made Reaper, didn't he? Am I crazy? Maybe he directed a couple episodes, but I don't... Yeah, he wasn't responsible for Reaper. Oh, I um, thought he was. He directed the pilot. Oh. I thought he directed the whole thing. Okay. No, he just directed the, pir- the pilot. Um, and, you know, I guess the technically the Clerks cartoon was a sitcom. Uh, I just have to take something back. Apparently, uh, Twilight of the Mall Rats is in pre-production, according to IMDb. That, you know what, I, when you were saying that, I was like, I heard they were making a sequel to the Mallrats, but I heard that, like, a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, I, there's like, no information on it. And then, I, I think I remember hearing, like, it was set, and they had, like, contracts to, like, film at some mall, like, just outside of Philly, and then, like, there was a production delay, and then they tore down the mall. Like, whatever yeah, mall I, it was got demoed, because they were like, dude, it's a mall. We're done here. <laughs> and like Clerks 3 was rumored to be in production for ages and ages and ages and ages. And they eventually got kind of shit canned until, uh, you know, Kevin Smith a few years ago was like, okay, I have a new idea, rewrote the script from scratch and convinced everybody to be involved in it. Um, the, uh, and when you say everybody, you mean everybody. They got everybody. But <laughs> everybody living, yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, oh, we were talking earlier about them being actors. None of them went on to, like, be actors, right? Like, I mean, I don't I don't follow people's careers or anything, but, like, Randall's not in other movies, right? Like, I assume these people, like Dante, they just have jobs, right? Like, they, they must do something, right? I feel like Brian O'Halloran did try to, like, be an actor. Um, let's see, Brian O'Halloran... Uh... He did a bunch of stuff. Oh, did yeah. he? Well, good for him. I mean, not like, it's just like bit parts here and there. Right. Not much out. Goodness, he did a voice on a, a Pokemon cartoon. Uh, wow, yeah, he's been all over the map. Uh, so he definitely put, put forth some effort. Uh, Jeff Anderson, Randall, I don't think he did much else. Yeah, no, he's done almost nothing. He, he was always kind of my favorite part of it. Yeah. He did a voice on Clone Wars? That's amazing. <laughs> He was a he was, <laughs> he voiced a Wookiee in an episode of the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon. He did make oh, a good Wookiee noise in the in the in the movie. Uh, oh, but what I was gonna say is uh, the people in uh, like Clerks primarily those weren't actors; those were his friends, like we said. And like when you look at it, uh, I think they did good. Like I think Randall's a good actor. Like I don't think that was his job in life. I think he went off and I don't know what the hell he did. Let's say that he was a restaurateur. Who knows? But, like, I, I never once was drawn out of the moment in any of the movies he was in because his acting was poor. You're right. When O'Halloran was, had that scene with Rosario Dawson in this one, it, it, 
it did seem effortless for her because you, you kind of could tell how much effort he was putting in. But it was it was highly emotional, and he got it across, and it wasn't terrible. And yeah, no, than, he he was successful. Just you know, it was you could tell that he was putting in some work, right? And uh, she was not, <laughs> right? But she's like a big name actress who does a lot of stuff. Yeah, she she's she's a she is a real professional. And I, and I was gonna say, I assume he I assume he had another like I assume he's I don't know a pipe fitter. I don't know what he does. <laughs> he's got to have a job, right? Like I don't think he's making enough off the. The Kevin Smith movie every seven or eight years to to survive, right? He's got a lot of credits, but yeah, it doesn't look like anything big. Most so, of it I've never even heard of. I'm, I'm sure he does something, and then I'm sure he also goes to these conventions and signs a bunch of stuff and makes some. Those pie eating contests in the woods, like like last year, but I don't <laughs> exactly. Think, I don't think uh, I don't even know if he was there this year. I just went to it, and I I didn't even see the pie eating contest. It got a little, uh, it got a little hectic. The, uh, all right, we're almost an hour in. I still have two more movie things before we get to our movie thing. Oh, Jesus. One, I was going to mention the Halloween thing. Me and Jacqueline went as, uh, the people from True Romance. If you guys didn't see pictures of that, I'm pretty proud of us. It was, it was a pretty solid costume. Well uh, done. Well done. And then the third thing, I just watched the, uh, the last of the Halloween movies the, the, of the new trilogy came out. And I'm assuming oh, you yeah. guys didn't see that. No. I No, I've never seen any Halloween movies. They've never really interested me. But this one's apparently rather divisive. Uh, so, it was certainly better than the bad Halloween movies. Like, this is Halloween <laughs> number, like, what are we at here? Like, nine, I think? Um, nine or ten? Or eleven? God, there's a lot of them now. Um, but are they trying to get the 31? Is that the plan? <laughs> <laughs> um, they they did a lot of things good, right? So these last three, this was the third of the last three that they did. Like was like a, a trilogy within the series. Um, the trilogy itself was pretty well done. They 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 learned from their mistakes. They did a lot of things very right with the character. Um, they got away from the overly corny. Uh, the overly ridiculous, especially the first two, uh, they made it a, a good, good, solid Halloween. The first one was great because of the solid scares. It wasn't uh, special effects driven like Freddy Krueger or comedy driven with the, the quips like like Freddy Krueger. And it wasn't necessarily uh, as gore driven uh, as like a, a Friday the 13th. Um, there was there's a lot of uh, subtle scares, right? Which I appreciate a lot in that first Halloween movie. Really, if you, you should go watch the first Halloween movie, so good. Um, so the they got back to some of those. They redeemed the character a lot, like because you you heard me rant about him as far as like I was gonna say this is the one he Mike Myers is the one that you said is the worst movie monster ever yeah because he, he just couldn't kill the girl for like three movies and then he tried to kill the little seven-year-old and he couldn't do that for two movies so then he tried to kill the infant and he couldn't do that and paul rudd teenage paul rudd stopped him and it was just the whole thing was terrible um these movies fixed that a little bit they did better or at least the first two did and the third one had the same feel you could tell there was the same writer same director everything was going the same way um oh, ex- it's the 13th movie oh nice uh the but then they like they shoehorned in this storyline that felt like they were trying to reach back and tie in maybe like uh the fourth or fifth movie where there was like some magic powers where he could transfer his evil through his eyes to another person that didn't make any sense then and it didn't make any sense now um 
And then like, not not to spoil. I don't think I'm spoiling this for anybody. It's it's early in the movie. It's I'm not giving anything away. It's fine. The uh, they try to work that in, and I just think it was uh, they did it well for what they were trying to do. But it was just I don't know. You lost. You, you gave up a lot of usable real estate on some sort of nonsense that doesn't quite fit in with what made the franchise great. I know it was part of the franchise, but it was more the part of the franchise that made people groan. Um, so other than that bad decision, I, I did enjoy the movie, but I don't know. I don't know. Pull it together. Pull it together, Hollywood. Apparently, you want to talk about something that goes wacky out of order. Apparently, the chronological order to watch the Halloween movies is Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, Halloween 5. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting these awesome subtitles. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Is that 6? Halloween, uh, I don't know, just, that was 1995. There's no number on that one. Uh, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Halloween Resurrection, 2002. Halloween 2018. Halloween Kills, 2021. Halloween 2007. Halloween 2, 2009. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, 1982, and then Halloween Ends. What the hell? (laughs) Halloween Ends. So, the number three, the Season of the Witch one, that one, I'm sure I ranted about it last time, but that's the one where the, uh, he becomes a fictitious character. He does, he's not even real. He's not in the movie, but he is in the movie a little bit, but, oh God, I don't know what happened there. It was just a hard... Hard turn. They didn't know where they were going. And they realized how far off the road they were with Halloween 4. And they were like, oh, God, turn the wheel around. Just get, get, where did we go? What happened? What happened? Oh. I, I, All right, now I know we've got to, we've got to talk about our, our, our main movie thing, but I just remembered uh, something else movie related that happened. Why start now? I really want to get your opinion. <laughs> exactly. No, I just remember something I wanted your opinion on. Uh, did you guys see the uh, the trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie? Yes. No. Wait, did I? Who's, who plays Super Mario? Give me a little something to like Chris my Pratt. brain hooks into. Chris Pratt's going to be Mario. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did see a little bit. Yeah. What did you guys think? Uh, well. Like, I, don't, I don't even know if you guys have an opinion on it. I, I obviously, in the world that I'm in, it was a pretty big conversation. But as as people who aren't you know obsessed with the world of video games, well, what did your son think? say about it? Uh, well, amusingly enough, um, <laughs> we knew that the trailer was coming, and I got the the little golden book adaptation of the Bob Hoskins movie <laughs> off eBay. <laughs> <laughs> and I read that to him, and he was just like, "What?" What? what he was so happened? confused by it like what happened this is this doesn't make any sense this is insane it sounds like a good way to they, give your kid nightmares he really wants to see the movie now because like he's like i have to see this i have to see this sounds like, like i want to pick it for a movie good, night he's got a good head on his shoulders because i watched that movie <laughs> multiple times and still come out of it going what what's <laughs> amazing so the what? first thing he said after we watched the trailer was well that looks a lot better than the live action movie <laughs> It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's a hundred percent right. Uh, no, John. John thinks it looks awesome. He's super excited for it. 
Yeah, um, Nate is excited about it. He wants to see it. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I have strong opinions. I mean, like, I think it looks cool. The trailer looked, um, you know, the trailer looked really slick, and I think they included some cool stuff in the trailer. The like animation and the way, you know, I, I don't know the the com- computer animation and the way that the like light hits these digital things and kind of makes them look real and gives them shape is you know it it um it improves with every movie and like uh, i kind of watched the trailer and was like oh that's kind of cool looking um you know the way the mushrooms looked and the all the things like that but um yeah i don't know like uh it didn't show me enough for me to know how super mario brothers it would really feel and um and then Chris It was really a Bowser trailer. Yeah. I mean that's most of it was the whole Bowser thing. And, and then, you know, of course Crip, Chris Pratt, I, I can't say he will be a bad Mario, but I think Mario is so synonymous in my head with it's a me, you know, like yeah. um, with Charles Martinet, yeah. Yeah. So um I don't know. I have no idea. So all these animated movies, my opinions on them, uh, I stopped having opinions on them because I see, uh, yeah, I stopped having opinions on them based on trailers because unlike movie trailers in general that I now hate because they tell me the whole damn movie, like I'm pretty sure I know this whole Black Panther movie and I saw like two trailers, but you put them, you put everything most of the time in sequence. So you're showing me big plot points in sequence. Well, guess what? I can fill in the in-between pretty accurately most of the time. So I hate that. But with the animated ones, I really don't get a good feel for them. And then I go and, uh, you know, sometimes I'll watch them. And sometimes it's, you know, oh, this was exclusively a children's movie. This was not aimed at me, but they did a good job. Sometimes it's just a terrible movie. And sometimes it's surprisingly great. I thought the Lego movie was going to be terrible based on the trailer. I had no desire to see it. Didn't see it when it came out. That movie's freaking wonderful. That first Lego movie, I absolutely yeah. loved it. That, it was very good. It was absolutely enjoyable, wonderful movie. Um, the Pixar stuff, sometimes I find it boring, sometimes it's aimed at kids. Other times, like Up, Up was a freaking amazing. Again, I had no desire to go see it, didn't look interesting to me at all. It was phenomenal. And then every now and then there'll be one I'll go and see. I'm like, oh, this looks good. Let's Yeah, let's go see that. And I go and watch it, and I'm like, nope, this was nonsense. So that... Huh. With the animated films, I feel like the trailers are better at not ruining everything, but I know that my opinion based on that, whatever I saw, 60 seconds of that Mario thing means nothing. Like, that movie could be absolute trash, or it could be a gem, and I just have no idea. I do, I do the Chris Pratt voice, I don't know, my my first instinct is no, but, (laughs) you know. Yeah, this was really interesting from, uh, you know, the perspective of folks in the video game uh, world. He posted a couple of times that he's been working super hard on the Mario voice, and I think the quote was, it's unlike anything you've ever heard in the Mario universe. And I guess he's not wrong, because Chris Pratt has never been in the Mario universe. (laughs) Right. Because he just sounded like Chris Pratt. There was maybe a slight accent going in there. Um, but, But then again, we only heard like two lines out of him. He barely said anything in the trailer. Like, there was one half a sentence, and that was it. Everything else was Bowser talking, which... Yeah, the animation certainly looks uh, several tiers above the schlock we usually get out of Illumination Studios. Um, So that's making me happy. I love the way it looks. 
like you said, Paul, I think it, it is a really good looking movie. I was really impressed with Jack Black's Bowser voice. Oh, that was um, Jack Black. That's cool. And like, that's not Jack Black with a, you know, machine lowering his voice or anything at Comic-Con. When this trailer debuted, there's video of him just doing the voice, roasting the audience. Like he just did that voice and it's kind of great. Um, so that made me real happy. It does seem to have personality. Uh, I thought Toad was really funny in the trailer, too. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, but the whole Chris Pratt is Mario thing, like, you're right, Charles Martinet is like the iconic Mario voice um, for most of the world, and there's a whole conversation about whether or not they should have had Charles Martinet do the voice of Mario in this movie, and like, that I'm on the fence about because, like, I've heard Charles Martinet do entire conversations as Mario before, and it's like a little much for me. And I get that some people don't care; they just want to hear that voice coming out of Mario. But I feel like your general movie-going audience might have been a little annoyed by it by the end. But then again, Charles Martinet is an excellent voice actor. He's done a lot of great stuff that's not Mario. And, like, I feel like he could have done a pretty good Mario voice on his own. But then again, he's not the name draw that is Chris Pratt. But amusing to me is, like, when I was a kid, Captain Lou Albano was Mario. Yeah. You know? Sure. That was Mario's voice. He was, you know, this deep-voiced Italian plumber guy. And, like, then Super Mario 64 shows up, and you hear, It's-a me, Mario! And I know. He... Charles Martinet, if anybody's listening, yes, Charles Martinet did technically do the Mario voice earlier than that. I think Mario teaches typing in a Mario pinball game, but the real debut was in Mario 64 there. Done nerding on that. No one's um, checking your nerd work right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that changed Mario's voice to that. And Chris Pratt weirdly seems like a middle ground between <laughs> Captain Lou and Charles Martinet's voice, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. So, I don't know, that doesn't really fill me with all the confidence in the world for Mario himself. Uh, there was also a giant controversy about Mario's lack of an ass. Mm. Apparently that's a thing. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's noticeable when it's been pointed out to you that uh, Mario's character model does not have a butt. Well, so. there's still time. They can just throw a digital butt in there. <laughs> Here's hoping. Uh, so, I don't know. I, just, I want to get you guys' take on it, because I, I, I know you guys aren't anywhere near in the uh, ridiculous level of video game nerddom that I am, and I thought uh, I'd get, get your opinions on this whole Mario movie thing. Well, in my heart, Captain Lou Albano will always be Mario. Um, and, uh, Sean, uh, if you like the Lego movie, and uh, you might actually sit down and watch animated movies because you don't have kids and you're not inundated with them. So you might actually be like, Oh, like I want to watch that. If you like the Lego movie, the guys that directed the Lego movie also made the two cloudy with a chance of meatball movies, which are very funny. I did see the first cloudy with a chance of meatball movie. I took, uh, that went, man, that, that came out a long time ago, right? I, I, yeah, I think I was, yeah. I was in like college or something. I was watching my uh, my godson. I took him to the movie theaters to see that. I think um, that was uh, that was good. I I, uh, I love yeah. that Mr. T is in that movie. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Oh God, I don't remember. He was in the in the in the first glider with the chance of meatballs. Mr. T is the cop. The the uh, 
the policeman. Oh. Huh. All right. But then he didn't, he didn't come back for the second one for some reason, and then it's uh, Terry Crews. Well, he got too big. I mean, he's Mr. T. <laughs> yeah. His career really took off post-2010. So. All right, you guys want to talk about this movie now? <laughs> nope, I want to pack it up and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's already 10.15. Well, I don't even know how much I'd really have to say about this. Uh, it was an interesting experience, but let's do the, uh, let's do the, let's do the, the let's do the business. Uh, Quick Change is the movie we're here to talk about. Quick Change was released on July 13th, 1990, was distributed by Warner Brothers, it was directed by Howard Franklin and Bill Murray and written by Howard Franklin based on the novel Quick Change by Jay Cronley. Howard Franklin's other directorial works include Larger Than Life and The Public Eye, and he was a writer on Romancing the Stone, The Man Who Knew Too Little, and more. I feel confident in assuming that we all know who Bill Murray is. Uh, the story stars Bill Murray, as well as Gina Davis, Randy Quaid, Jason Robards, and more tells the story of a group of people who try to rob a bank under the guise of a clown, and I'm writing this, I wrote this script before having seen the movie, so that's all the detail I was willing to go into at the time. I watched this in my house uh, with Greg and Karen. Greg came over to join us. Uh, we watched it through nefarious means, and I had a glass of chocolate milk. Greg had a coffee, I think, and a Kit Kat, a Kit Kat bar. You go ahead, Paul. Oh, uh, I, I watched it on, you know, I spent three bucks or whatever from Apple to watch it. Um, I, uh, I didn't know we would be recording this week. And then everyone was like, Hey, are we doing this? And I was like, Ooh, you know, like that at that point, that was my only, <laughs> only recourse to be able to watch the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't eat anything while I watched the movie because we had just had a lot of pizza. So I watched the movie through non-nefarious means but i think we had to pay oh we would have had to pay like two dollars and 99 cents but she got she's always got like free money in amazon for like i don't know why they just like her um so <laughs> we got it through there and uh i don't think we ate anything while we watched it actually i, I think i ate some cheap cookies uh i didn't put any effort in because we we had to train our dog who's out of control so we had like this thing and then i had a quick watch this movie afterwards so i was like there's no time for anything we're watching this movie so yeah, no effort. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, and a new non-alcoholic beer for midweek drinking that was terrible. So uh, I'm not even going to mention it. It's like a new German Pilsner-y thing out there. It's nonsense. Uh, back to the brew dog. I thought you were going to say it was fine that we didn't put a lot of effort in because it feels like the people who made the movie didn't put a lot of effort in. <laughs> and I would agree with that. It it had it had a lot of good pieces and it feels like with some effort, it could have been a great movie. Like there was talent and the writing wasn't bad and the plot points were all there. But like, I don't know. Everything was just fine. It was fine. Yeah, all the pieces came together, but they didn't really. It's like I, I, I thought it was weird that I had never even heard of this movie before, considering who was in it. 
it just seemed like with the it's, it's weird that this had never even come up like i didn't even remember seeing this in my video store it was a complete non-entity to me and after seeing the movie you know i chuckled a couple of times but i could not tell you what i laughed at like i don't remember I just watched it the other day, and I don't remember it all that well. I, I'm starting to wonder if I had never really seen it, um, right? Because, so we we feel like this is the second time in this uh, episode we've revisited uh, elementary school Paul. Because, um, I, like, I think I, I think I probably saw this movie when I was, like, 11 or 12. Like, that's my, that's my memory, that, like, I saw it probably not not long after it came out, like when it was still newish. Right. And it makes me wonder, did I really see it or did I just see the beginning, the bank robbery? Uh, because that seemed to be the only thing that left an impression on me was the bank robbery. Like I, I remember that very vividly. Like I remember he was dressed as a clown and I remember, you know, that his, that the, the hostages that he lets go are in on it. And, um, you know, as a kid, you don't know all the actors. You're not as keyed into pop culture. You're starting to know who some people are, but it's not like you have a big index of, like, which actors are in which movies. So, like, you know, as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old or 12-year-old, like, I probably didn't know who Randy Quaid was or who Gina Davis was. Although, like... If you know who Randy Quaid is, he's like unmissable in this movie. You know, like if you had seen Christmas Vacation at this point, yeah. If if you watch the trailer, you know he's in it, and then as soon as he starts talking in that bank, you're like, oh, that's Randy Quaid. Like, doesn't matter that he's in a quote unquote disguise. Um, (laughs) uh, Gina Davis, I think, was a little better disguised. Um, You know, I think I think before. She starts talking when she's just kind of in the background, like in the vault. You're almost like you almost don't know who it is, and then once she's in a scene, you like know who it is. But I think if you were aware of the cast of this movie, you already kind of knew the the gimmick. You know, once the 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 bank robbery scene starts playing out, but me I, as a kid, I didn't know that. So then all of a sudden, when like I see how he did it and they, you know, each of the hostages had money strapped to them and, you know, got out of the bank that way. I was like blown away. I thought it was the coolest thing. Like, you know, I like, that's the thing that stuck out to me about this movie. was the bank robbery and I don't remember anything else. So it makes me think, was the rest of the movie just so forgettable that my childhood self has blocked it out or did I watch it, you know, on PHL 17 at my grandma's house, like one movie ended and that came on and I was blown away by this. And then somebody was like, go out and play, stop, get away from the TV. You know, like, I don't know which thing it was, but either way that the the bank robbery was kind of the highlight. And then it, it was kind of downhill from there. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I know in my mind, when we talked about this last time, I'm sure I said, I, I think I've seen it. I, I know I've seen it before, but I, I kind of remember it being middle of the road. Uh, and when we watched it, I remembered the whole bank robbery scene. I remembered the whole gimmick. I remembered some of the jokes involved in the bank robbery scene. Um, and then I didn't really remember the rest of the movie as we were going. Like one or two other things sort of maybe seemed familiar. 
But I, I think maybe same thing. You know, I saw it as a kid, uh, you know, whatever, 12, 13. And maybe I just lost interest halfway through. You know, you're, you're sitting there, you're watching a movie. You're like, oh, Bill Murray movie I haven't seen. You throw that on. And then, like, you're like, Meh, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go. You know what? I got this video game sitting here. Because it, 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 it's almost frustrating when you see, a, like, a B movie that has all the things it needs to be in a movie. There was lots of good scene setups, right? The bit with Hartman, like that should have been an A plus scene. And it it wasn't. It like Phil Hartman's funny and it was a good setup for a scene. You so you've got talent. The writing wasn't terrible, the acting wasn't terrible, but it just didn't um it's almost like they tried to do it in one take. You know, it was like, all right, everybody just Come in and give your best and we'll just move on. It's like Yeah, it was just like, all right, Bill Murray, go Bill Murray. And like he didn't Bill Murray hard enough or whatever. Like it didn't turn out like that. It wasn't like ghost Ghostbuster scenes where it's just like I'm reminded of like the Phil Hartman scene was where he was the neighbor guy that came with the gun, right? Right. He wasn't the neighbor. Neighbor. The, he was the, he the new tenant who was taking right, it a new day earlier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Um and it just reminded me of the scene in Ghostbusters where he's talking to the reporter, not the reporter guy, the guy that that guy was a reporter in the EPA guy because he was a reporter yeah, in Die Yeah, Hard. The, this this man has no, this dick. man has no, yeah, dick. Is that true? And, uh, <laughs> it seemed like they were just aiming for that, you know, like just just go do do Bill Murray, and like it just didn't really stick, and. Paul brought up uh, that it just just so happened after this movie I've never heard of, uh, we decided to watch it, that it shows up in the news because Gina Davis uh, was talking about her experience on it, and apparently, not much of a surprise, Bill Murray was a bit of a shit in, to work with in the 80s uh, to women, which, I mean, I don't think that's exactly shocking to anyone, but uh, um, Is it I wonder how much of it came from a general un, a discomfort on set. Like, wh when did this came out? And what was it? What did I say? 1990? 90. So I, I didn't read the article or anything, so I, I don't know what the accusations are. But as far as I know, he's a shit to work with to everybody, right? Like, Harold Ramos refused to work with him for years. I think there was, like, on-scene fights. Like, as far as I know, he's just, he's kind of a dick to everyone. So the, well, the, what seemed to be popping up in the news, oddly, you know, right when we were about to do this episode, um, <laughs> is that uh, Bill Murray, um, the the movie that he is currently working on uh, is a is a movie called Being Mortal. Um, he uh, he had a fine levied against him. Basically, uh, there was a production assistant on set that complained about his behavior. Um, you know, I guess there was like pro COVID protocols, so people were masked and stuff. But like, there was a scene in a bed or something, and I don't know what she was getting ready or standing in for somebody or something. And Bill Murray like straddled her and like, you know, simulated like kissing her, like you know, through the masks. But uh, you know, like basically, didn't didn't uh, you know, didn't he he thought he was just joking around, but like there was no. There was no permission asked. Like he kind of just, um, you know, he kind of just did what he wanted, um, and so she filed a complaint against him. And I don't know if this was like handled through their union or whether 
um, you know, it was like a court matter or something, but he got, he paid a, a pretty big fine. Um, so like he's in the news because of that. And then Gina Davis was like, oh yeah, well, you know, I mean, now that people are speaking up against this, like I had a pretty awful experience during quick change that, um, I guess because Bill Murray was also a director, he asked her to do some kind of uncomfortable stuff in the audition. And like, she, I guess was just kind of on edge the whole time because it was off to a bad start, even in the audition. Yeah. I wonder if that played any, maybe that played a part in it. I, 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 it didn't seem like she was uncomfortable in it. It just seemed like nobody was putting forth effort, except maybe Randy Quaid, but he, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was definitely putting work in. Well, what the, what was the deal with Randy Quaid? Like what, what what was that character? He just kind of seemed like a sad, overgrown man baby. Like yeah, and he had some sort of previous relationship with her. Like wait, why did you they just that? go to school together? Were I they him related and Bill to each other? No, him and Bill Murray went to school together. Right, but he also had some sort of previous relationship with her. I mean, she almost acted like she was a mother to him, almost, or like a sister figure, you know? She's yeah, like, like, I felt like there cons- was some sort of relation there. Yeah, she was, like, consoling him, he, you know, he, 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 he act, you know, he, I don't know why Randy Quaid sometimes plays these people that, that, uh, you know, I don't know, are not all there, I guess that's the best way I could put it, but, like, like, he- Plays? What? Plays? Plays? <laughs> I don't know that there's so much acting as there is reading lines to some people. Bad point. That dude's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for sure. <laughs> he, but, yeah, but he's been in dramatic stuff where he had to not do this. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't understand why the character was so much like a child. Like, it was weird. Yeah, it was it was definitely weird, but it was uh it does seem like a um uh pro- uh, an archetype of the time. If I'm thinking of like you know it seems like the whole uh not all there person that somebody like Bill Murray's character has to take put care up of with and or take care of. Right. I, like I thought he was there to kind of make then. Bill Murray a little more likable. You're 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 starting off your movie with bank robbers, right? Which, despite yeah. our comments at the beginning of this podcast, you know, usually that's the bad guy, right? So right away, you got to do a lot of work to redeem this character and put him in a, a position where the audience can can root for him, or or at least not be rooting against your your protagonist, right? So you, I think they established that Bill Murray and Randy Quaid went to school together. It's clear Bill Murray doesn't need Randy Quaid's help. Randy Quaid honks the horn. Randy Quaid keeps making mistakes. Randy Quaid's the bumbling idiot through the whole thing, right? So, and Bill Murray seems to be very adept at life, right? So it's clear that this is a person that Bill Murray, at some point in their youth, uh, I don't know, took pity on or decided that like he was going to look out for because you know, the world would take advantage of him. So I think he's there to, to soften our impression of the Bill Murray character. So we're like, yeah, this guy, he's looking out for, you know, who's he really taking advantage of? He's stealing from the rich bank people. He steals from the mobster guys, you know. Um, so, but he's looking out for this person who was, you know, probably would have just been left behind by society, right? So I think that's what that character was there about. 
um, and for obvious comic relief. I, I think the reason why I feel like the movie was just okay, like it wasn't good or it wasn't bad, um, and and it's it, like I th- I think it's so funny that at this point in this podcast that we're we're having this problem. Like I feel like we haven't really talked about a movie that was just eh, you know, like like uh, a lot of times I think the best episodes of this we have is when we all have like sort of a different perspective on a movie and we're, you know, hashing out the way that we saw it. And prior to this, I think we saw three really good movies. I know Sean was only like 50, 50 on pitch perfect, but I was like 150 on it. So I feel like that kind of evens out. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, pitch perfect. And then talking about the office space, office space, the way it sort of shaped our work, world and the natural that we kind of talked about like what makes up a you know an iconic sports movie you know and then before that we had three really bad movies you know <laughs> um you know and and it it's fun to go like what was that like what was going on there you know but like with this i just it i it just felt right down the middle and i think i think one of the reasons why i'm kind of like eh is because, like, I did think it was funny. There was a lot of stuff I laughed at. Now, that being said, it wasn't, like, laugh out loud. It wasn't, like, slapping your knee and, like, rolling on the floor. It was just kind of, like, you know, it was a laugh. Like, I think I think most of what I, my reaction to that stuff was the stuff that was indicative of New York, and then, and then the stuff that was like that, that then messed up their day like made made their their situation worse you would go of course it did like the the times that i went of course that would happen like of course those guys would be taking down the signs and go you know oh we're not putting up the new signs till tomorrow you know like that's like it like those characters felt so new yorky you know or or some of the stuff where um you know, like where the hot dog vendors are running to the the you know, the <laughs> bank to sell hot yeah. dogs to the spectators. You know, like some of the stuff that was just like the weird. It could only happen in New York. Stuff made me laugh. Bike jousters. The was, bike joust was the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah, that was awesome. And Ooh. you know bike what? But even the bike joust scene, it's like I feel like better editing or just like a second take, like. It should have. I think it should have dragged out just a little longer because they stop, but it's pretty quick. They stop and they show you this thing, and it's pretty epic, right? You don't know what's happening at first, and then you kind of see it coming, and then the one guy gets taken down. I think they could have dragged that out like two, three more seconds to really just make it feel so out of place in this movie. Because like you're, 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 they're on the run, they're on the lam, and you're going, you're going, you're going, and then all of a sudden they stop, and all three of them just stop. They they just robbed a bank, and they just sit there, mouths agape staring at this spectacle right the kid ringing the bell on the church at the end that was great <laughs> but i feel like it didn't quite sell it, it was good it, and I did, I did laugh aloud but i feel like it was so brilliant i should have been rolling and i was just laughing out loud and then maybe this is the problem the 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 only and i quoted it at the beginning of the the, the podcast here the the reaction line was it's bad luck to even see a thing like that, right? Which <laughs> yeah. was funny, and it made me laugh, and it's making you laugh. But, like, I don't know. I feel they could have done more with that. Like, you just gave me an epic moment, right? 
you, and then you followed it with a, a B plus joke. That was the best joke you had following this brilliant scene. Like, I don't know. I feel like we could have sold that better at, at that point. Um, I, just like I, the I, Phil Hartman and the, and who's the, the guy who robbed him? Like these were good plot points. These were good opportunities for, I don't know about either a great line or two or three really good lines. And we got like one, we got like one decent line from Bill Murray with the guy robbing him. We got one decent line from Randy Quaid with the joust should have been two or three decent lines or the one amazing on the one. inside kind is deaf was definitely a solid line. As it well. was, yeah. it was, but it's, it is a series of missed opportunities. There's this, this works really well on paper. Um, it could, I feel like the whole movie should have been, they should have leaned into the weirdness a little bit more. Well, like, I think, I think one thing, I think one thing that, um, you know, you, you're talking about some of the missed opportunities with, uh, with, I guess the, the jokes as far as, um, you know, the guy that robs them, the bike joust, whatever. Right. Um, uh, I, I also think there were missed opportunities in, in tying it all up. Um, because, I I think in a general sense, the way that it all got laid out, um, you know, made some degree of sense. I'm not, I'm not sure that it totally makes sense that the cops found them by looking for two men and a woman. And then the, the, the thing about him jumping from the taxi cab, like it was, it was kind of weird the way the cops zeroed in on them. But then once the the you know the mafia thing got involved, and then the Tony Shalhoub, Stanley Tucci, yes, yeah, once the Tucci, once the Tucci got involved, and the the Tony Shalhoub, once the taxi Tucci driver, and the Shalhoubs, <laughs> and like all that stuff, you know, all those sort of missed opportunities. I think it 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 um it you know made a clear path to that sort of near miss at the airport. But I think if the movie was better, like I think if the movie was better written or better conceived, like some of that stuff would have come back in a more meaningful way. Like the fact that the the guy that robbed them took the watch that he gets at the bank, um, you know, or the like the Tooch gave him that envelope of money and then he kind of gave it to that random guy. Just so the guy, yeah, he just just yeah, he just coughed that up, and that was the end of that. Yeah, like if if some other more awful characters could have gotten caught because they had things that tied them to the bank robbery, you know, like like I like I I think of some of those things where you're watching three or four different stories and they all masterfully come together at the end, you know, like. Like some of the Guy Ritchie stuff, you know, like like Snatch or, yeah. or Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, you know, like like this thing had the seeds of that and it didn't really bloom. Yeah. I, and I think it came from the general consensus that, OK, we've got this cast and we're just going to let we don't need to put the effort into making this work because the cast is just going to take care of it. It's going to be funny enough with just the charisma of these actors. We don't need to think this thing out. And that's just my impression of it. Because like, like Sean said, the whole thing just felt very low effort. It felt like we just got to have a basic premise that's kind of clever, get these people in the same place at the same time, 
and then just let the rest take care of itself. You know, it's, you know, the underpants gnome, <laughs> step two, and then step three profit, but like they just <laughs> skipped over step two. Like step two would have been make this movie clever, do the, do the work, put the writing in, and then let, don't just rely on them being funny and charismatic to carry the whole damn thing because it, it wasn't quite enough. Like it was such a forgettable movie. And I feel like it, it, it's crazy to think that when you think of the actors involved, like those three in particular, the, the main three, and then you've got your, all these cameos from Phil Hartman and Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub, but like that shouldn't be a forgettable movie, but it is absolutely a forgettable movie. And it's because you're right, Paul, they didn't put the, the writing wasn't there. And I can't shake the feeling that the idea was like, well, we're just not going to bother doing much writing because they're going to do all of that. Like they're, you know, Bill Murray is just going to do his thing and then that's going to be hilarious and go. I know. There. I know he's known for improv. I don't know that like that's a, there's being an actor and then there's, there's like improv in your lines. I think that's very different. So unless they like, I don't know, maybe those other people are great at improv lines, but I think you have to write for most people, right? Like, I don't mean there's a dig against other actors. It's just, I think you're supposed to have writers and actors and every now and then you get like a Bill Murray, who's going to throw in a bunch of random lines that may or may not work. And you, you know, you make those decisions in editing, but I feel like they didn't like what, what funny lines did they write for Gina Davis? Like, yeah, she didn't have any, if it was our plane, it would be on fire. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. It, it well, wasn't a knee slapper. Like it was all right. A line. It was a like, line. Well, I think I think to that point, you know, yes, I think that some of the some of the story elements that didn't pay off, like the the watch and the envelope of money and stuff like that, that could have that could have all built to this ending, um, you know, didn't pay off. And that was that was one, you know, story wise thing that I think was was lacking in the movie. But I think the other thing that was lacking and I think this goes to what you're all talking about is just the the character relationships like I did not understand who any of these people were to each other uh uh Bill Murray I think was the clearest and I think it's only because your brain fills in fills in the blanks because it's Bill Murray like you you know what Bill Murray's about from Ghostbusters and Groundhog's Day and you know everything else like you you know what that dry wit is and what his character is, so he doesn't have to do a lot of work. Like you sort of understand who he is and how he how he operates in the world. But like I didn't understand why Gina Davis was with him. I didn't understand why they were together and what their history was. I really didn't understand Randy Quaid. Like like there wasn't enough background to make me care about these three as a group. Uh, so that was hard. Yeah, I agree. I didn't, I didn't buy them as a couple like Gina Davis and Bill Murray. And not just because I had, you know, just read all the stories about how she didn't really enjoy his company, but, uh, like I, I didn't really get them. And like, he just seemed like eighties businessman, Bill Murray and, uh, Randy Quaid was just whatever the hell he was and yeah it, i i agree i didn't get their relationship to one another and therefore i didn't necessarily know what i was rooting for the outcome of the movie to be i mean 
they they told that whole story about there there was some background story that they told that sort of explained why they robbed the bank and i'm gonna butcher it because i didn't pay enough attention to it to really reiterate it properly but it was something about like he had a really awful day in new york and that you know they were they were going to bed together and that you know he was he he's like remember when i convinced you to rob a bank remember what you said you know like they sort of told some story about the two of them together and and how they decided to rob a bank and like the movie would have almost been better off if it showed us like it would have been better off if we had a flashback to you know to to what their lives were like before and why they wanted to rob a bank and um and that you know we could we could see them we could see a baseline for them like that we could see them interact as a couple we could see them like deal with the challenges of life as a as a couple um and not just the challenges of trying to get to the airport yeah i agree i think a flashback would have went a lot even even a little bit would have gone a long way with establishing these characters and and maybe some sort of lead up some sort of lead up to why they robbed the bank because i think the whole bank robbery thing you know was indeed the most enthralling thing in the movie it was all very much downhill from there um and i think that's where had they decided to make all the things that happened to them in New York City, progressively weirder, uh, and then eventually wrap up uh, with some sort of really clever convergence uh, at the end would have made that feel less anticlimactic. But like, I remember being very into the movie when they were doing the bank robbery, but also like kind of wondering when I was going to understand who these people were and why I should be rooting for them since they are bank robbers. So why, why, why do I want to root for these guys who are going to, you know, steal from people? Um, and it just kind of, it didn't really get there. It didn't really show us much. It just kind of told us sort of what their history was. And that was all they really gave us. And it wasn't enough for it to really have any sort of emotional resonance. Not that it needed crazy emotional resonance. This is a, you know, a comedy movie about a clown roaming a bank and then a bunch of weird shit happening in New York, but still something more would have been uh very uh m- more appreciated yeah if we you're right if we empathize with them a little more then we f- we forgive them a little bit for being the bad guys and robbing the bank yeah like you know he says our job sucks or i was a city planner and like you get this one thing where he's talking about he's a city planner and oh they're gonna tear down this building and yeah, oh, why well, did that come anymore. back? Like they they cut from the the older cop appreciating architecture and being mad that they're knocking down the building to like the next scene. Bill Murray's doing the same thing, and then they never come back to that connection between him and the cop or the architecture or none of it. It really felt like that was headed somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, it's just, it was just it was laziness. It was it was not it wasn't a well conceived movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Certainly had the bones to be one, but again, it wasn't bad. I was entertained by the movie. I was, I was definitely entertained by it, you know, top to bottom. I was never bored. I wasn't looking at my phone or anything like that. I was just, you know, we weren't even all having conversations while it was happening. It was just, we were, the three of us were just sitting there watching the movie. It was just entertaining enough to keep me interested, um, but also not entertaining enough to keep me wanting to talk about it besides right in the beginning of the movie 
when the cops are showing up, and this is the only note I wrote down um, for the for the bank robbery thing, there was uh, one cop that had an unreasonable amount of back sweat. <laughs> one of the cops gets out of the car, and the back of his shirt is just soaked through. And that stuck with me for the whole movie. <laughs> for the whole movie. Chris is thinking to himself, I think that guy's got to go to a doctor. He, he might not make it. When are we getting more of that guy? Like when, I want to know. I want to know what happened. It you was know? a stressful yeah, bank robbery. He's got a gland problem. It's a hot day in New York. Yeah. He's working hard. He's working hard. I I want to circle back to the the jousting and uh <laughs> And the, the all day. The I, I can just watch that scene yeah. over and over. <laughs> and the, that was that was the the gem on this movie. Where was the spinoff? <laughs> <laughs> what a whole movie about that guy's backstory. How did he get there that day? <laughs> that's the sequel, Bike Joust. Um, yeah, I want to circle back to that and a, and a little bit about the Tony Shalhoub uh, cab driver. Um, I, so I think that the. I think that the thought that crossed my mind about this movie, um, and and uh, you you got to bear with me a little bit. Like I, I don't think this was like overt. Like I don't think that this was like hugely problematic and egregious. Like I I think you know like we we watch a lot of movies, a lot of things from the eighties and nineties. We sometimes look at them and we go, "Ooh, that didn't age well," you know. Um, cert- <laughs> yeah. certain ways that that women are treated, or you know, I think we've talked before a lot about that. Like you're you're always going to find a a you know a derogatory term, somebody calling somebody else gay or something like that. Like it was oh, yeah. just it was baked into what was being put out in the eighties or nineties. And I I don't you know I don't think that there's anything in particular in this movie that that didn't age well i mean like in general you could say that um that uh a new generation probably wouldn't understand how lost you could get without having a gps phone um right like, like i know the movie is set in a time before that and it does things to tell you that you know oh yeah the street sign got taken down and like there's there's nuggets of of um humor that are laid that you know lets you see why they got so lost but i don't think anybody that wasn't around then could really comprehend how lost you could get without without you know without directions um but like beyond that you know i don't think there was like things that were hugely problematic but i i think one thing that like i guess rubbed me a little bit wrong and and again, I think you got to be like really looking for it and reading into it. Is like, I think the movie kind of otherizes people a little bit. Um, so so it it like there was a lot of things that were shown that were indicative of New York, sh- showing New York as like bizarre, weird. This could only happen in New York, only in New York, and like of course this would happen in New York. And then it's clear that, like, that's why they want to get out and that, you know, Bill Murray hates New York for this reason and is, you know, is like anything that we can do to to get away from this right here. Um, And then, you know, the movie is sort of it is sort of like 
diverse in who they're showing because, you know, they're going through low-income areas where they're getting lost. Uh, you know, the, the bike joust, I think it was all, like, Hispanic people. Um, the mm. There was that African-American woman on the corner shouting, you know, the flowers for the dead thing. Um, you know, <laughs> like, there was a See, bunch again, of... again, that should have been a great scene, and we already forgot it until you brought it up just now. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Randy Quaid reacting to her and Gina Davis, it, it, like... I, and when I watched, I laughed a little. It was all there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go on. Well, point. I, just, I guess, I guess what on, I was going to say was there was a lot of weird things that were realistic to New York. And New York is very diverse. And the, the movie sort of, I think, reflected that in the way those things were shown and the casting and the areas they were in and what they navigated or whatever. But I think because the main cast was the whitiest white bread whitiness of the whites you know, that then it felt kind of like, uh, get me away from these people. You know, like I, I felt like, I, I think you gotta be really looking for it, but I think somewhere deep in the back of my mind, it felt like the movie kind of otherized people a little bit. That was just my, my thing. I don't know what otherized means. Like, like just that, like, you know, it, it, like, it spoke to it spoke to us and anybody not like us is the others. Right. Like Okay. All right. Like cool. if if Got you it. if you are not Bill Murray and Gina Davis and Randy Quaid, if you are not this, you know, uh, you know, middle class white, you know, whatever they were, uh culturally, like, racially, economically, if you were different in some way. Right. Yeah. And other. and that I think how much they hated everything that was going on around it really like punch that a little bit for me, you know? And again, like, I don't think it was intentional in the movie. And I think it's just something I see looking at it now, but that was, that was something that crossed my mind about it. Yeah. It didn't, uh, it didn't jump out to me, but now that you mention it, I, uh, I, I see what you're talking about. It wasn't like, it certainly had diversity, but it wasn't um, necessarily always painted in a, in a, in a positive light. It was like, Boy, everyone but us is weird. Yeah, like the the. But I kind of feel like that's a little bit, and and you know maybe I'm just. I mean, you walk down the street in New York, especially from like one end to the other, like you you see people jousting on bikes, and you know what? Maybe that's their culture, and maybe I'm just otherizing too. But like (laughs) New York is the perfect example where everything. I don't know. Maybe in New York City, it's okay to otherize. Maybe because just like it it's two different worlds from one block to the next. It doesn't matter. You could be from either one of those blocks, but if you go two blocks over, it's a different world. It's a yeah. different culture. It's a different, uh, it's a different economy. It's a different, uh, way of life. And it, it, it I, I think you're right. It, they, the movie probably would have felt less. I didn't notice it until you pointed it out either. It probably would have felt less icky if our protagonists were a little bit more diverse. Right. But I think that if they were a little more diverse, they wouldn't have had that problem because I think it's there's a truth to it. Like, <laughs> it's just such, you know, you can be in, in a ghetto and then two blocks later you're, you're in, you know, this high rises and, and guys in really expensive suits walking around. And one neighborhood looks, you know, whatever, like, you know, everybody's Russian and then a couple blocks over everybody's Chinese. Like, I mean, it's it's different worlds from block to block. 
Well, and and which to my point about that made made it made the whole Tony Shaloub cab driver thing feel really weird because <laughs> um it I there was some there was some element of the joke that was missing there and I guess he had to not speak English because if he could speak English, then he would clearly tell the cops that's them. They're getting on the bus. You know, like if he, if he could speak English, they wouldn't have freaked out in the first place that they weren't going to get to the airport and they would have stayed in the cab. But then also if he could speak English, like he would have, it would have ruined the whole thing with the cops. So like, it felt like an afterthought with the writing, like, oh, guess we got to have this guy not speak English. Um, but then, yeah, because of that, like, they were so weird and gross and douchey to him. And then, like, none of his jokes landed or were funny. Like, maybe if maybe if they were miscommunicating and, and Tony Shalhoub's lines were subtitled you know uh, and you could see what he was actually saying you know like maybe if he was talking to them about peanut butter Mm. sandwiches you know when they were like the airport you know like maybe we would have laughed more but like i don't know the that the the stuff with the cabbie really made me like annoyed (laughs) yeah i agree that that didn't land for me at all the oh the cabbie doesn't understand him like Okay, what's the joke? And like, really, how exactly is he a cabbie when he doesn't understand any English at all? Uh, and I don't know. And didn't, was he, didn't land for me. Was he speaking a real language, or I you don't know, think so. Was that was that was like a like a you know uh they, like they Andy Kaufman, Locker Gravis, like a you know made up made up language. Yeah. I thought he was speaking Italian because didn't the the mobster understand him? Oh, I don't know. Did he? I don't think anybody. Yeah, I thought him. the mobster understood him, but I could be making that up. I don't know. <laughs> if so, they should have made that clear. They should have made a lot of shit clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I don't know how much filming was done. But I feel like if uh, you know if there was a lot of if there was a lot of editing choices, those choices were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like if this was all done in one shot, I kind of get why it turned out this way. If they had two or three takes on each scene, I think they just consistently picked the wrong take and edited out like the, the the two lines where it's like, "Hey, this this mobster understands this guy. That's why they're both in the back of my cop car." Because it was just vague. He was like, I need this guy to come with me to make an ID. But you didn't know who he was referring to. It was either the mobster or the cab driver. You assumed the cab driver. But then why did he bring the mobster? And the only reason they went to the airport is because the mobster told them that the big mobster was there. I don't know. It was... I think the only reason they brought the mobster was they recognized him as as a criminal that they were looking for and were like, Oh, like I I think to the cops, it was a happy accident. Like they already wanted to arrest him for something. And then in responding to this other call, they're like, you know, that like, that must be our guy, you know, this guy that we're already after. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm talking about when they go to the airport at the end, they go there to get the mobster. 
right? That's I thought, why the cop goes there. I thought you were asking what the. I thought you were talking about the Bagman, the guy that um that Bill Murray right. impersonates. Right. Why did Why did they bring him to the? Why did they bring the cab driver to the airport? Let's let's say it that way. Because I I kind of get they didn't want us to know what was happening, so they have both of them in the cop car. But why did they actually bring the cab driver to the airport? Right. I yeah yeah I assumed it was to ID them, but then that never happened. Well, but because we find out that they weren't going to like, they never talked to that guy, so they don't know that Bill Murray and Gina Davis are getting on the airplane. I think what we were supposed to fill in, God, again, they could have done a little more work here. When the cop gets on the plane, he gets on the plane to get the mobster. He doesn't get on the plane to get Bill Murray and happens to find the mobster. He gets on the plane to get the mobster because the bag man told him where the mobster was. I assume. I assume. When they get off the plane, the mobster's, the the bag man's like, like the mobster realizes the bag man ratted him out. uh, Okay. I assumed that the bag man told him that the mobster was getting on the plane, that Tony Shalhoub points to the the bus and is like, you know, the guy, the guy that got out of my cab, I mean, he didn't say this, but that, like, I, I think the cops thought that the mobster was the same guy that was in Tony Shalhoub's cab, so that when the bag man directed them to the airport, and they got the mobster that they assumed that they were getting both the guy that was in the cab and the guy that robbed the bank and the mobster all rolled into one. Like They thought the mobster robbed the bank? I, I think based on the confusing information between the bag man and the cab driver that didn't speak English, that they thought that the mobster robbed the bank. All right, so that would almost make some sense, <laughs> except the cop knows the mobster. He knows what he looks like. And yes. he also knows that the orange-haired guy was the clown, and he knows that that's not the mobster, because he knows the mobster. I, I mean, I didn't, been chasing him. I didn't say that my theory made sense. It was just what I thought was happening. <laughs> you know what the worst part is? Your theory doesn't make sense, and it still might be correct. That might be what they were going for, despite the fact that there's a loophole there. I don't even know. <laughs> I got. I have nothing to add to this this yeah. part of the conversation at that point. I don't think I had thought nearly enough about what was actually happening. I definitely remember feeling a bit confused as to why everyone was where they were. I know the movie wanted me to think that Bill Murray thought he was about to get caught and then Mobster was there and he got caught instead. Sure. And they were just like, all right, and now you get to go away and... Oh, God. And then that last joke about his name, uh, you know what? I missed it. And, and and then the cop reacted, and I still didn't quite get it. And then I was like, oh, right, Chip, or Skip, or whatever it was. But, like, I Yeah, he, first he said Skip, and then he changed it to Chip, or whatever it was. And and then at the end, he, he gave the name Chip, Chipkowski, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I had completely forgotten he gave the name Chip at the beginning of the movie, because the movie is largely forgettable. Right. Remember this thing from the beginning that you already forgot? Turns out it was important. <laughs> Turns out, if you want that last joke, you better remember it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what's our opinion of this movie? We usually give a thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, it was, <laughs> I laughed. I'm not going to call it bad. 
Yeah, but, no, I'm not. But I'm not telling anybody bad. to run out and watch it. I'm, I'm going to turn my thumb squarely to the side. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I agree. I'm going to face it upwards and then go, and then turn it <laughs> kind of to the left. I'm going to go I'm right. Gonna say, I'm going to go to the right. <laughs> if you've seen every other Bill Murray movie, then you should watch this one too. Sure. But sure. only if you've seen the rest of them first. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was fine. This uh, I'm not even gonna put my thumb up. I'm just gonna put my hand out like we're playing rock paper scissors, and I'm playing paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's fair. So that's what I got. Your flat hand is right between Sean and I's thumbs, pointing at each other, and we've made a a Earth? thing a Earth. thing that no one cares about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much like this movie. Much like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> As did the director of this movie. He made a thing no one cares about. All right. Well, uh, I guess it's time for us to figure out what we're watching next. Um, who wants to go first this time? Uh, I'll go. I'll you're going to okay. go, Sean? Yeah, I, I had it narrowed down to two. Um, I'm going to go with Repo Man. Okay. I, have you guys seen Repo Man? Is it is it called like Repo Man, a genetic opera? Is that what it's called? Oh, I don't it's, know. It stars Emilio Estevez. It's from like nineteen eighty. I don't know. Um, I can't remember if I've seen. Is it a horror movie? You know what? I do remember this movie, uh, and I can't answer that question. Not <laughs> not because I'm keeping anything from you. Oh no! I okay. Yeah, no. There's no, a movie called this. There's a movie called Repo, the genetic opera, and then. Repo Man is 1984 with Emilio Estevez. Yeah. A young punk re- recruited by a car repossession agency finds himself in pursuit of a Chevrolet Malibu that is wanted for a $20,000 bounty and has something otherworldly stashed in its trunk. I used to have a Malibu. Yeah. This movie, uh, that doesn't even begin. This is just, it's just a weird movie. It's just a weird movie. Hey, where can you find this movie? Uh, it is available on YouTube. You got to pay for it, but it's available on YouTube. Oh, okay. Three ninety nine, I think. Um, hold on, I think it's also where was it? it? Might have also been on something else that I'm not sure that I have. I I actually did the thing that you want this time, Sean, and I checked where you could find it. I forgot to do it really, but uh, <laughs> then I tried to do it quick, and it was uh, uh, it was available on YouTube for three ninety nine. I think it was available. Oh, it's available on Prime, which I I think I might not have to pay for it there, or you can pay for it on Prime if you have the lesser Prime, whatever that means. Yeah. YouTube. Okay. It's, it's on a bunch of things for pay. Gotcha. All right, Paul, what do you got? Um, Chris, have you ever seen Raising Arizona? Uh, maybe. Sounds familiar. Oh, you should watch that uh- movie. Is that not your pick? That that was what that was one of my backup ones. I had that, and then I was like, oh, "But if I'm going Nicolas Cage with the letter R, you got to go The Rock, right?" No, I just think Chris should. I just think you should watch that movie. No, my pick. <laughs> no, my pick is Roadhouse. Oh, I want to watch. I want to watch. Uh, I want to watch Patrick Swayze punch and kick stuff. Okay. So, uh, my my pick is Roadhouse, and it is on Netflix for free right now. If you have Netflix, it's on it. All right. All right. Well, me and Paul are squarely in the 80s over here. Where are you at? Right? Roadhouse has got to be late 80s, right? Maybe. I think it's like 88. Uh, no, Roadhouse. 
was 89. 89, all right. I'm going older. I'm going 1976. Uh, my heart wanted me to say the Rocketeer, but this is the letter R, and I've never seen Rocky. So, uh, wow. I have, <laughs> I have to pick Rocky. Uh, it's... I forgot. I forgot. We said we were going to do that at one point when we said you hadn't seen Rocky. There's so many movies. I feel like there's just yeah. Come on, man. What are you doing? If we if we pick Rocky, we're gonna have to watch them all then. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if I've seen Repo Man. I've definitely seen Roadhouse more than once, but I've never seen Rocky. And uh, I know that my one of my my good friend Mike Sheridan would be disappointed in me if I didn't at least recommend Rocky. That's my pick. All right, Rocky is. Okay, everybody, we are going to watch Rocky, which is available on Prime Video for rent or buy. Uh, wait, wait, be, be, because you're going to edit that, I think we need to let the people at home know what just happened. So, so uh, I voted for Repo Man. Uh, Sean voted for Rocky. Uh, Rocky, and Chris voted for Roadhouse. Um, and so we had a three-way tie, and then we... We all tried to text Greg and say, what's happening? What's happening? Which one should we do? And Greg responded, yo, Adrian. So <laughs> Greg has spoken. We can only assume that means Rocky. All right. I'm finally going to see Rocky. Mike, Mike Sheridan will be thrilled. Wait a second. Adrian uh, is the name of the main girl in Repo Man 2. <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I'm full of shit. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> I was about to look it up. I, I, like, I did look it up. It's not true. It's not true at all. All right. So, yes, uh, Rocky, the original, uh, which is available on to rent or buy from Prime Video, appears to be the only legal options according to IMDb. Um, How many yeah. Rocky movies are there? Like 10? I can get through all those in a month. Uh, give it there, a go. There are six Rocky movies. And there are two Creed movies with a third one coming out uh, in a couple months. There's more than six Rocky movies in there. Nope, there are six Rocky movies. Are you counting? I can picture one through five. And then there was like the Rocky Balboa movie. That was, it? that was the sixth one. That came out like in like the 15, maybe? Right? 2006. Yep. 2006, that old. Okay. Creed was 2015. Creed 2 is 2018. Creed 3 is next year. All right. The only one I never saw it, was Creed 2. Which no excuse. Creed one was actually surprisingly good. I... Oh, you got to see Creed two. He 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 fights the son of the Russian guy. He fights the son of Ivan Drago. Drago. Yeah, yeah, and hey. that's apparently going to be a spinoff too. Drago. Yeah. Right. Oh, good God! But look, the Rocky verse. I thought Creed was going to be terrible. Like I didn't see it in the theater. I thought it was going to be nonsense. I one night I watched it. I don't you know whatever, and uh, it was really good. I was like, this is a great movie. Watch the watch the trailer for Creed Three. It looks really good. I know you don't watch trailers, but watch it. I, I, I end up seeing them, and then I just hate myself and I hate the movie industry. <laughs> right. I'm a consumer whore. I am a consumer whore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that was fun, and uh, hopefully, we have stronger opinions about Rocky. I, I'm I'm really interested to see this one. It's a 
My friend Mike is a, it's like one of his favorite movies ever. He's a huge Sylvester Stallone nut. In fact, he's been going out of his way to collect every video game based on a Sylvester Stallone property. Does uh, he have every version of Cliffhanger? Because those are the only ones he really needs. <laughs> uh, he has several Cliffhangers. He has some like uh, yeah, Demolition Man. Uh, I I found him a copy of Rocky for ColecoVision while I was at a, a game show recently. Uh, he's got the GameCube version of Driven. Remember the F1 movie yeah. that Sylvester Stallone was in? There was a movie adaptation of that for GameCube. He's, he's got a lot. I like to think that there was a Game Boy version of Don't or Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Is that the name of that one? Stop or my mom will shoot. Was there a stop or my mom will shoot video game? I don't know. I'm making that up. I I didn't say I think there is. I say I'd like to think there is. In my mind, that's what I choose <laughs> to believe. I have no reason to believe it other than I hope, I dream, I wish. That does if not appear not, to be a thing. We should make one. That does not appear to be a thing. But I I like collecting weird sets of video games like that. Like every everything based on a Stallone movie. That's that's a heck of a, a heck of a goal. So. I'm stoked to see this movie. I'm glad this is what we wound up with. Uh, and chances are I'll get to watch it with Greg. Alright, let's, let's wrap this up real quick. The Theater Near You is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. You can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. If you'd like early access to this podcast and several others on the Geekade Podcast Network, check out the Geekade Patreon Link to in the show notes. It helps keep the show running and our site shiny and clean. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time in the theater near you. We're just a couple of guys sorting some things out.